Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. The Old Testament reading for the, the day of the resurrection of our Lord comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 65. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. One who fails to reach a hundred will be considered a curse. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them, or plants and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord. They and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. 
while they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. Dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, says the Lord. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive, but each in his own turn. Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, when the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom of God to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet, the last enemy to be destroyed. Is death. We stand for the gospel procession. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. 
Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. This is the Gospel of the Lord. May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours today in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Text for the message comes from our reading from 1 Corinthians. Let's pray. Most gracious God, on this day, we gather in thankfulness for your mercy and your grace. Jesus has died for our sins and his resurrection is your promise of eternal life to all who believe. Bless our time in your presence and as we gather, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Maker and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. In our epistle reading from 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds us that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Our text. It was not an easy task. It was a pretty difficult journey. That morning, as some women walked a pretty slow and mournful walk, that morning among the rocks and among the tombs, they just didn't expect it. The women went to a place of death. The women went to a place where they had buried Jesus. They gathered, they gathered with sad tears in their eyes, confusion in their minds, and grief in their hearts. They went to Jesus' tomb to complete what they had done in such a hurry on the eve of the Sabbath. They came to give Jesus a proper burial and spent some time grieving over the loss of their friend. They came to anoint the body, the dead body. Now I can imagine them walking through the place where the tomb was located. If you can imagine, they were probably silent as they came in. Their faces sad, they wearing clothes of those that were mourning, their eyes probably looking downward in sadness, and as they neared the tomb, they probably lifted up their heads, and what they saw took them by surprise. You see, Friday night, Friday evening, the stone was rolled over the tomb's entrance. There, there were guards that were placed there to guard the tomb. There was a seal of the governor placed upon the tomb. No one would dare break that seal. But this morning, the tomb was open. The seal broken. The stone was rolled away. They looked inside the tomb and it was empty. Jesus' body was gone. The revelation was too much for them to take in. And Luke tells us they stood there puzzled about this. They were perplexed. Our translation this morning says they were, uh, they were wondering about this as they stood at an open, empty grave. We can blame them. Now, in hindsight, we look at this now and say, well, come on. Uh, the women, the disciples should have known, right? Uh, that, and didn't Jesus tell them again and again that he would suffer and die at the hands of his enemies and after three days rise from the dead? He always did. But they weren't waiting at the tomb for Jesus to rise from the dead. They weren't even waiting there just in case Jesus 
what Jesus said about rising from the dead might actually come to life, come to not come to fruition. I mean, it's clear that it just didn't occur to them that the resurrection was vaguely possible. Even Mary Magdalene didn't even expect to see Jesus. While others went to the tomb, she stayed outside crying. In John's Gospel, we have Gospel, we have this great account. Mary's crying, she sees someone, she thinks it's the garden. Not thinking for one minute it could be Jesus. But when Jesus spoke her name, that was the last voice she expected to hear that day. The illogical, the unthinkable, the unnatural, unnatural, the incredible, it just happened in a place of death and mourning. Jesus was dead. She, she saw his burial cloth. But now he's alive. And her preoccupation with death totally disappears. And she's overcome with joy at seeing the living Christ. We understand Mary's grief, don't we? When a person dies, there's no kind of death. Death's fine, isn't it? I mean, we know that from our own experience. When we, when we express our final goodbye to service, a funeral service, we know that our lives go on without that person. Without that person being by our side. Without them being there to help us. Without them to chat with us or, or to share life's experiences with. Death takes a person from us in this life. And it doesn't care whether they are young or old. Most love or most care. And care whether the most talented or even the dearest to us. We react in much the same way the disciples did, don't we? We're afraid and angry. We get grief-stricken and confused and lonely because death is so fine. As far as the disciples and the women were concerned, death had won that day on Calvary. And a good man died. That was Good Friday. And the next day, Saturday, but Easter Sunday, that morning brings a whole new perspective on death. Jesus comes to us again on this resurrection day, and he says, look at what I have done for you. Look at the marks of nails on my hands and my feet and the spear uh, 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 in my side that I have died for you. I have taken away your guilt and your sin. I have replaced your tears with joy. I have given you hope instead of fear and discouragement. I have given you peace instead of anxiousness. I have taken all this to the cross and to the tomb. And I am alive and have come to give you new life, now and forever. I read a story about a pastor who was having a, a conversation, talking to a woman. And, and by her own admission, the woman was not a religious person. But in the course of that conversation, this pastor uh, mentioned that he was conducting the funeral of a, a young father, a father that had been struck down by a sudden illness. And, and, but he mentioned how confident and courageous the father was. Even as his strength slowly faded away, and he knew death was coming closer, he spoke about this young man's faith in Jesus and his firm belief that he was going to heaven, and that he had the promise of eternity. As an aside, he mentioned that the, 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 the described how people often came to visit this young uh, father with the intention of cheering him up. 
but found out that he was the one that often cheered them up. Maybe you've had that experience too. His trust in God is inspiration. This woman listened and then she asked the pastor, do you believe that there is more to life than what we have right now? I mean, were we put here on this earth just to endure stress and worry and sickness and every other bad thing that can happen to us? Or is there something better? My friends, there's something better she was referring to. It's what Easter is all about. The Easter triumph of Jesus over the grave gives you and me the assurance that there is something better. We heard Paul say in one of our readings today, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Jesus made sure that death is not the end of us. Just as he rose from the dead, you might even say he's a trailblazer going on ahead of us, likewise those who believe in Jesus will never die. They will rise again to live in, in how Scripture describes the new heavens and the new earth with a new glorified body and a new life. There is something better to look forward to. Later in chapter 15, Paul writes, Our dead, decaying bodies will be changed into bodies that won't die or decay like Jesus' glorious body. Death has lost its battle. Thank God for letting us, our Lord Jesus give us the victory. You know, down through the ages, the church has used, Christians have used different symbols to try and describe Jesus' Easter victory. One of them is the phoenix. Yeah, just like Dumbledore's pet in Harry Potter books and movies. Uh, but the phoenix is that mythological word, similar to an eagle, a symbol of the ancient, of the ancient church of the resurrection, symbolizing the hope and certainty of life after death. When, when talking about the resurrection and new life, a lot of times we're accustomed to other things like eggs and butterflies and lilies and even peacocks as uh, symbols of the resurrection, but we rarely talk about the phoenix. Some churches have enshrined this image of the phoenix, and if you look on the back page of your bulletin, there's a, uh, that image that I found, a stained glass image uh, of the phoenix there. According to legend, if you might remember, the phoenix lived for 500 years, built a nest of twigs and spices, and at the end of 500 years, the sun's hot rays would set the nest on fire, and instead of trying to smother the flames, the phoenix would fan the flames with its wings, and burning itself up in the fire, and then with renewed and refreshed body, it would rise up out of the ashes. New life. In Christian art, the resurrected phoenix became that, that, that popular symbol of Christ's bodily resurrection from the grave. Also, the resurrection of all believers. There is something better. The phoenix sums up the Easter message perfectly. Jesus gives up his life. He rises from the grave and is raised to life again on the third day. New life rises up out of the ashes of death. Today we celebrate his victory over the grave, the gift of eternal life for all who believe in Jesus. Today we're reminded that Jesus has defeated the last and greatest enemy of all, death. He has made it possible for you and me to pass from this life to the joy and bliss of eternity with him in heaven 
end and all eternity. In the place of death, there's new life. A new life with new, glorious, refreshed bodies. Just like the Phoenix as it rose from the ashes. And just like Jesus as he appeared to the disciples. But Easter isn't just about the day we take our last breath. The day our bodies die and we enter eternal life. It's about a daily rising to new life. There is something better. Every day, like the Phoenix, we rise up out of the ashes of sin and guilt and we are refreshed, we're renewed by our living Lord and Savior Jesus. We rise from the ashes of sin with his forgiveness. We are reassured that he still loves us and will continue to give us the strength that we need. In the small catechism under baptism, Luther asked the question, what does such baptizing with water indicate? The answer, it indicates that your old Adam in us should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned in God with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. And it sounds like the meaning, doesn't it? There is something better. Every day we find ourselves in ashes, ashes of our own making, where temptations and selfishness, ashes of impatience and unkindness, Ashes of anger and vindictiveness. Ashes where we show the, the lack of self-control and uh, being hard to get along with or even a lack of commitment and loyalty. But then there are those ashes that we have no control over, right? Sickness. Natural disasters. War. And death. My dear friends in Christ, our Savior Jesus has made it possible for you and me to rise like the phoenix out of these soul-destroying ashes of sin. In him, in him we're daily arising to new life with hope and peace and joy. Because of him we have the strength, we have the courage, we have the boldness that comes from knowing that, that with the risen and all-powerful Alpha and Omega at our side, we are, we are blessed comforted by knowing that nothing, nothing can destroy us, nothing can separate us from the one who loved us so dearly and wants us to enjoy the, the blessed reward of life forever in his presence. Not even death can change that. Reverend Jeff Gibbs is a professor who's retiring now uh, from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. During Holy Week of 2013, he wrote an article about the death of his father. And I'd like to read portions of it too. This is rather long, but, but I want to read sections of it too. He writes, This week, I'm thinking about his hands. There were large, strong hands that loved to work with wood, strong hands that were skilled with the plane and the lathe. Many uh, items in the house were created by his efforts on the lathe and the saw. Dovetail is a term that had literal meaning for him. This week, I'm thinking about his hands. I'm talking about my father, John Gibbs. Last year, in the week of Advent 2, at age 87, he died. He died. That's the most basic, profound, spiritually true thing that I can say about him. I can say other things, of course, because the Spirit of God kept him in his baptismal faith alive from age 27 all the way through to the end of his life. So, he is resting with Christ in a way that is true and good, 
even if we know precious little about what that rest is like. Continues. He is among those who are called in Scripture the dead in Christ. John Gibbs was a human creature designed by God to live and breathe and have his hands and arms up to be alive. He was also a sinner, living in a fallen world. By God's grace calling in his ears, he heard the gospel of Jesus and in his body he was baptized and with his mouth he ate Christ's body and blood. Then my father died. How I wish he were alive. I wish I could see Christ's his hands. My father is broken. He is dead. I grieve because of a real, true, profound loss. The promise of his present rest with Jesus, though true, does not address this loss. It doesn't speak to it. It doesn't do much good. Moreover, in his present rest with Christ, my Father is not all that God intends for him to be. His hands are still and powerless because he's dead. And I need, my Father needs, someone to speak to that loss. There's another pair of hands that speak to that loss. I believe that the hands of Jesus were strong enough to overturn tables, be gentle enough to welcome children. What were the gestures of those hands made when he rebuked a storm and it obeyed him? Or when he spat and made mud and recreated the eyes of a man born blind? My father's hands were real. Jesus' hands were real. Because our rebellious world is filled with loss and sin and death, the hands of Jesus were stretched out Rather than driving the nails himself, the nails were driven through his hands. Then, like my father, Jesus died. For my father, Jesus died. The creation convulsed as he took part, took the part in place of sinners. All the torment of a tormented world, Jesus died. If there would be any hope, someone has to speak to this loss to do something about this loss. And someone did. God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. Hands were strong once again and strong in a new way. They still bore the marks of the nails, but now the hands are no longer subject to weakness or death. Risen, he no longer is mastered by death and never will be again. Easter is the solution and the reversal of that loss. On Easter, God reversed the world's verdict on Jesus and all that it needs. On Easter, the Father vindicated the Son, installed him into an office that in some mysterious internal sense, he never really left. The Son of God with power. And Easter means that my Father's hands will not always be still and powerless. Not always. Not forever. A great day is coming and it's guaranteed. We have pictures and images, of course, banquets and gardens and rivers. All of it's true. It's just not precise. Then he concludes. Here is the, here's a picture that may not be true, but it might be. I picture Jesus reaching down into the ground, driving his hands powerfully into the dirt, and finding my Father's hands. If we'll touch with Jesus, there's life. My Father rises, pulled back into life by the power of the Lord. The loss will be removed. God will be glorified. That is my hope. In my loss, that is my song. Powerful image, isn't it? There is something better. In Jesus, the image of the Phoenix is a blessing as we live in the sinfulness and craziness of this world. 
as we face life-threatening illnesses, as we face our own mortality, as we stand at the grave of a loved one. The image and the idea of the phoenix enables any of us sinners to rise above the ashes of this sinful world with Jesus Christ. We're able to be victorious even when life is dishing up its worst and it can only happen through Jesus. Today we heard the good news of the women that they opened an empty tomb. We heard the proclamation of the angels. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. We also heard Paul encourage us that Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. My friends, the living Jesus makes it possible for you and me, anyone, to rise above the ashes of trouble and death. Today we heard there is something better. Jesus has overcome death and the grave. He has given you and me a victory and declared that we shall be with him in heaven and eternity forever. Let's celebrate the resurrection of our Lord today. Let's celebrate your resurrection today. That's the promise that he has promised and given to you. That's the promise that we hold on to and proclaim with those words. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen. Please stand. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.